Good evening, everyone. So there is a phrase from today's first reading from the book of Sirach that jumped out at me, particularly when I began thinking about and praying about what to talk about at Mass today. And it is the phrase, the sinner hugs them tight. Sirach is talking about wrath and anger, the wrath and anger that particularly comes from an unwillingness to forgive, from holding a grudge against someone. But it's interesting, this description of holding something tight, hugging it close, particularly sins. In my time as a priest, I've realized that there are different types of sins in working with people. Some are sins that generally out of weakness, out of our own fallen humanity. We do, we often don't even think about, we wish that we didn't do. But there are some sins that are much more serious that people commit and can often progress to holding them tight, to hugging them close to themselves and refusing to let them go. The smaller sins, the sins of weakness, the venial sins, those can pass by. But the real issue, the issue that we need to talk about today are those sins that we hug tightly to ourselves. Those sins that we do not want to let go. Now, everybody in here could have a different sin. Maybe even a small sin that they hug tightly, that they find comfort in, that they do not want to let go. They don't want to repent. <coughs> they don't want to hand it to Jesus. But during my time as a priest, I found that there are generally three sins, particularly for college students, sometimes for adults too, that we like to hug tightly. And those are the ones that we're going to focus on mainly today. The first one is the one we hear in the scripture. It's what everything is about in our readings today. It's the wrath and the anger, particularly that comes from an unwillingness to forgive. It's that wrath and anger that made the servant shake the servant who owed him something so violently. We can often have things done to us that are unjust. Pains to ourselves, to our family, to our friends. Things that elicit a just anger that we should be really mad for. The problem is not that we got mad at it. The problem is when we harbor that anger. When we are unwilling to forgive. When we hold a grudge. When we allow that anger to grow in our hearts. When we can't let it go. After something that maybe happened just 10 years ago, 5 years ago, we still hold that grudge and so often it eats us alive. For any of you who have ever experienced that, that difficulty in letting a grudge go of forgiving someone, the anger grows inside of us like a cancer. It can be there for years and we hug on to it, we refuse to let it go. And as a result, we so often close ourselves off to other people. We lose that sense of joy, that openness to others. We cling tightly to that anger and that unforgiveness. That's the first one that really causes damage and can eat the heart alive. The second, the sins, if we're looking at sort of the list of capital sins, is the sin of gluttony. Not just food, but particularly here, alcohol and drugs. 
Granted, we can have a legitimate consumption of alcohol and prescription drugs can be very good. You know what I'm talking about, though. The abuse of alcohol, the abuse of drugs, particularly within what we'll call a party lifestyle. A lifestyle of going out every weekend, getting drunk, going to confession on Monday or on Sunday, and going and doing it the next weekend. These are not sins of weakness. These are hugging it closely. Warning that lifestyle, giving yourself over, even opening up to addiction, the destruction of your life and others, harboring closely this sinful lifestyle that simply does not coincide with what it means to be Christian. But we don't want to let it go. And as a result, it eats up our liver, it can eat up our brain, and it can destroy our lives and the lives of others kills the soul, this intemperance, this party lifestyle that we hug closely. Oh, this is my one time to have fun because when I get older, I can't do it. But sin is still sin. There are certain lifestyles that are irreconcilable with how we live as Christians. The third and final one, and this is the one that should be no surprise to anyone, the one sin that people love to cling so closely to, to hold tightly, is the sin of lust. And again, I know there can be sins of weakness for this, that we're fallen, there can be stressful times, lonely times, our hormones could be going crazy. What I'm talking about here is holding certain things tight and unwilling to let it go. Repeatedly coming and confessing pornography and masturbation. Pornography is the main one. And, and, and I'll ask, what have you done to limit your access to pornography? Nothing. And repeat it over and over and over again. You can come confess that to me 10 times in 10 weeks. But if you don't take any stance to get rid of the porn and to limit your access to it, then you're hugging it tightly. And you're going to drive me crazy. <laughs> and I'm going to get no other way to put it. I mean, come on. When your parents tell you over and over, stop doing this and you won't do it, what do you expect your parents to do? Oh, I'm going to keep loving you to do this, even though I've told you 20 times. We've got to cut off the arm if it leads us to sin. But we don't want to do it. We want to hug it tightly. We want to keep it close because we like our porn. We like the way it makes us feel. The same thing with the relationship. I understand. We love people. We want to be with them. But if there's consistent fornication, and you cannot muster up the effort to not be alone together. And this happens over and over and over again. And I ask you, what are you doing to stop being alone together? Uh, nothing. We're praying a rosary together, but on the bed at 12 o'clock at night. No! <laughs> it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. But sometimes what we've got to learn to give up just like when it comes to the party lifestyle and often the friends that we go out and party with. So none of y'all are going out and drinking by yourselves. Adults do that. Some people go out with friends. And friends that they shouldn't be hanging out with. And that's what they got to get rid of. In the same way, sometimes we may have to come to a point that after a year, if I can't be chased with my girlfriend or boyfriend, maybe I should be out of this relationship. Maybe I need to cut it off. But no, we don't want to. Because of our own weakness, because of our own codependency, because of whatever, we hug it tightly. And it eats us alive. Because the life of the flesh will kill the life of the spirit 
every single time. And the truth is, these sins, or any other sins that we hug tightly to, that we don't want to let go, are those other things that connect to it, they really actually, it's not so much us hugging them, but it's them suffocating us, killing the life in the spirit, killing our openness to Christ, killing the life of charity. And we don't want to let go, but even worse, it's like a, a, like a vice on our neck. We have something against us. We don't know how to let it go. Regardless, a lot of the times we become so used to it, we do not want to let it go. And so that's the question, why? We know it's bad for us. We know that it's mortal sin. We know that we shouldn't be doing it. Father's got mad at you in confession. He's yelled at you from the pulpit. He's done everything, but it doesn't change anything. Why? Why? And I think there are a number of different reasons. One, there could be maybe some deep wound. Some deep wound from childhood, and so you have to act out. Or maybe there's some genetic thing going on that you can't control your impulses. I have no idea. Maybe that's the case. A lot of the times, it's probably just simple. Oh, we like the way it feels. We like hanging out with these people. We like goofing around with our boyfriend or our girlfriend. We like sitting on our phone at 2 o'clock in the morning and looking at whatever. Enjoy it. It feels good. That's why we do it. But the real reason is this. And I've come to see this over and over again in my 17 years as a priest. The real issue is not the wrath. The real issue is not the lust. The real issue is not the intemperance, the gluttony. The real issue is sloth. Because that's what I see. Sloth, not as laziness, but sloth is properly defined as sort of a spiritual apathy. But I think it's more specifically a spiritual anesthesia. We hug these sins so tightly to ourselves that eventually, particularly the sins of the flesh, begin anesthetizing us to spiritual values. It's like sitting on the couch after you've had five beers and eaten a bag of cheese puffs. Hey, let's go run a marathon. Ugh. Anesthetize yourself. That's what sin does. It anesthetizes us. And so even though I get up here and rant and rave, I get up here and be funny and try to make jokes about it. It doesn't matter because we've been anesthetized. Sin's done, done that to us. Now again, we have enough energy to hold it close, but it kills us. And we know it's killing us. So what's the solution? How do we overcome this spiritual anesthesia? Again, I don't think it's anything I can say. I don't think it's actually anything anyone can say. Now, the solution has to be genuine conversion and a conversion that comes from the Spirit. The spirit who touches the mind and the spirit who touches the heart. Granted, we have to be open to it. But there has to be conversion. And as far as I see it, there are ultimately two ways that we convert. And we see them in today's gospel. Even though the gospel is technically about forgiveness, it teaches about conversion. Here is this guy who owes a big debt to his master. In the gospel of Matthew, when we start talking about debts, we're talking about sin. Remember, Matthew is a tax collector. He, he describes everything as with money and tax collection 
and accounts and owing things. And so he owes a big debt. He's a big sinner. And so the master gives him the first choice. I'm going to remit your whole entire debt. There's mercy there. Just because he complains once, be patient with me. The master's so kind, he shows the mercy, you're completely forgiven. And in theory, at least, that experience of mercy should change this guy's heart. Say, you know what, I'm going to quit being a jerk. I'm going to quit sinning. I'm going to let go of my sin. I'm going to let go of my wrath. I'm going to let go of whatever. But guess what? It didn't work. Because we see this guy later on go shake down some other friend of his for even less. And so what happens? He didn't convert. That mercy didn't wash over him. And he didn't have the nice conversion. So what happens? Second, he gets called in and says, oh, you, you, had, you had the easy choice the first time. Now you don't have the easy choice. You're going to pay it back. And it ain't going to be pleasant. Go to the torturers. We have two choices. Because the fact of the matter is, is the second reading says, we all belong to Christ. If you were here and you were baptized Christian and Catholic, you belong to Christ. Pagans can go act a certain way, and the Lord is going to judge them in the way he judges pagans. But he's going to judge us different. Whether we are alive or we're dead, we belong to the Lord. And so the two options are, hey, I want you to stop acting like an idiot. I want you to love me. I want you to quit acting like a pagan. Here's the grace. But if we don't respond, the Lord wants us to be with him. And sometimes he'll never force us, but sometimes he's going to play uncle with us. And he's going to bend that arm back. Or he's going to pinch that hand until we let go. till we let stop hugging so tightly. Now, granted, we can still say, I don't care, Lord. You can fight you all you want. Well, then you choose to hug the sin. Because this is what it comes down to. If we hug our sin too tightly, we can't cling on to Christ. And if we can't cling on to Christ, then we keep our sin. And like some little spoiled, miserable child, we go into the corner and we boudet and we're miserable and we hate everybody but it's our own decision. Because if you're going to make it to heaven, you're going to have to quit clinging to the sin we all are and learn to cling to Jesus. Because only when we do that can he pull us up to heaven. As long as we're clinging to that sin, there's no place for that in the next life. And so we need that purification now or we get it later. Or we choose to say, I'm keeping my sin, I'm going to the corner, I'm going to act like a little child. And the Lord won't force it out of our hands, but he'll leave us to our misery. But it's not what the Lord wants. He wants us to give it up. He wants us to start right now in giving it up. Admitting that we cling to these sins and saying, Lord, give me the desire to get rid of it. That deep conversion of heart so that I can let go of this and cling tightly to you. Amen.